0: Bow our heads for a word of prayer. Gracious Father, as we come to the close of the season of Christmas and move into the season of Epiphany, remind us that this gift of your Son, our Savior, is ever before our eyes and that we cherish this gift each and every day. Be with us as we watch him grow into a ministry that you place before him, and as he walks to a cross to accomplish the purposes that you intend. Father, we pray be with us this day as we move into this season of epiphany and as we see the Christ revealed to us ever more clearly. Lord, be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Epiphany. It is, by definition, a moment of sudden revelation or new insight, a poignant, sudden, profound understanding of something. It is this season of Epiphany that we celebrate the fact that the Word has become flesh and dwells among us full of grace and truth. This Epiphany that God has taken it upon himself to intervene into the history of his creation in a very profound way with the gift of a Savior. We might see in our celebration today from the Gospel of Matthew the fact that the first people who came to this conclusion outside of of Mary and Joseph being instructed by the angel Gabriel are people who are not Jewish at all, but wise men from the East, from ancient Persia, who upon studying the heavens and the stars, come to that conclusion that one is born King of the Jews. And so they pack up and they begin to travel. And they travel from a place far away. And they travel to see Jesus. Now just to get an idea of how far they travel, here's kind of a map if you remember your geography from way back when in school days where they followed that path of the Fertile Crescent uh, all the way from ancient Persia, which is modern day Iran, and across the paths and down to Jerusalem. This isn't like hopping on an airplane. This is like taking some time, and the scriptures tell us that they follow the star that they saw. There's still all sorts of speculation in our world and among theologians and among astronomers and others of what this star might have been. The reality is, is we don't know anything other than what Scripture tells us it was a guiding star for the wise men. For all we know, it was a few angels gathered together in the stars with a couple of lanterns going just before them. We don't know. But what we do know is that their journey was not a small one. We have this idea, and most of us do it, and we do it in our nativity sets and stuff. We have this idea that it was three guys on three camels working their way around. It probably looked something more like this. A large caravan, because these are not just ordinary peasant people. These are wise men from the east, and they would have brought with them their entire uh, retina of people. Uh, this, This caravan, if you will, to support their journey. Because wise men, for example, they don't do their own cooking. They don't set up their own tents. They would have had a whole gathering of servants to do all of those things for them as they traveled because they were the very closest thing to royalty in the land that they came from other than the king himself. These are wise men, advisors to the king. I know we all know that song, We Three Kings of Orion Are. Um, that, That song has a lot of, how shall we say this, assumptions that probably aren't true. These guys aren't kings. They're referred to as wise men in the scriptures. And we don't know that there's three of them. We just read the passage from Matthew. It's the only passage in scripture that tells us about the magi or the wise men who come. And it doesn't number them. We know there are at least two, because the word is plural. But there could have been a lot more than three. Tradition, however, tells us that there are three because they bring three gifts. But maybe there was so much gold in that chest it took two of them to carry it. We don't know. But we do know that they follow the star and they come to Jerusalem and there they're greeted by Herod and they come and they ask Herod, where is he who is born king of the Jews? And that troubles Herod and we read, in all Jerusalem with him, because any time you start to challenge the authority of the king with another king, things get a little uncomfortable so Herod calls together all of his wise men and, and you know, because he's a king and he has wise men too. And he asks them, where, where is this king of the Jews supposed to be born? And they tell him, in fulfillment of prophecy, in Bethlehem. Now, my question is, did the star get it wrong? That they stopped in Jerusalem First? Or is this simply God working here? Well, obviously, I believe that it's God working here that this confrontation between Herod and the wise men needed to take place because God needed to let the royalty know about the birth of this king. Why? Well, when Jesus was born, the shepherds found out, the townspeople found out, but there's not really a whole lot of interaction between the lowlifes of the world and the upper echelon of society. And now they all know. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The Messiah has come. The wise men, they travel to Bethlehem and they find the baby in a house. They've been there some time now. And remember Herod ascertained from them the first time that they saw the star in the sky. And they had to pack up. And they had to go on a journey. And they bring with them all of the supplies and the preparations for the journey, but they also bring with them the gifts of gold and of frankincense and of myrrh. And they bring those because God is preparing this this holy family of Mary and Joseph and his son Jesus. He's preparing them for a journey as well because they're going to have to flee to Egypt. To avoid the wrath of Herod. Who as we know is going to put to death all of the male children under the age of two in the region of Bethlehem. He's so desperate to hang on to his own power that he goes to extreme measures to do so. And so Mary and Joseph and Jesus flee. But you see, this whole story is wrapped up in what we might call journeys. It's the journey of Mary and and, and Joseph to Bethlehem in the first place for the census so that the Savior could be born. It's the journey of the wise men coming from the east and preparing to go and worship he who is born King of the Jews. It's the journey once again of Mary and Joseph in this time of Jesus as they flee to Egypt. And it's the journey of Christ himself who journeys then through his life here To go to a cross where he suffers and dies for the fullness of our sins to wash us clean and forgive us. And so the challenge before us in our lives as we enter this new year is to turn our eyes upon Jesus, to understand that our lives are a journey as well, that we journey from birth into baptism, into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that we follow him and his guidance in our lives each and every day, that we journey in the midst of this world You might even think of it this way in the words of the hymn, I'm but a stranger here, heaven is my home. That we journey here as witnesses of our Savior Jesus Christ, as bearers of the good news of salvation, as the Gabriels to an unknowing world around us, as the wise men who bring the gifts of our lives, that which he has entrusted to us. To serve him by serving others and serving his kingdom. I know as we enter into this new year that it's often popular for people to embrace new year's resolutions. Some of you may have already done that. And I know that you're all being hammered with all of those ideas on television. Lose weight. Make this change. Give to this charity. By the way, when I said lose weight, Bob's going Give to this charity, do that, turn this new leaf over, make this change in your life. Well, every day is an opportunity to start fresh with our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Every day is an opportunity to look at our own hearts and to see where we're at and our attitudes, our mind, our spirit. Every day is an opportunity to return to the promises of our baptism, to fall on our knees and make confession to God that we indeed are poor, miserable sinners in need of his forgiveness. Every day is a day to cherish the life that we have in this world, knowing that it could be our last day. Every day is an opportunity to say, Lord, show me what you would have me to do that I might serve you with a quiet spirit and a glad heart. Every day is a day to serve the Lord and connect to him. Every day is a day to give ourselves as gifts to the King and to turn our eyes upon Jesus. In his name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all of our human understanding, keep your hearts and minds and the true faith of God in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.